Praise the Lord. Amen. amen and amen. Thank you, Rory. Like I said, I'll have my revenge. <laughs> so, wow, it's lovely to see everyone in this morning. Thank you for braving the rain. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it, it took us by surprise this morning. It was lovely in the earlier, but when we started out, it became quite um, heavy. But we thank God for the rain as well as the sun. Amen. You know, in the farming community, we give thanks for both. They are very, very necessary. For those who live in the city, that might be a different case, but for farmers, it's really, really a thankful thing. So, it's lovely to be here um, and to just uh, speak the Word of God. It's a privilege, a wonderful privilege um, to speak the Word of God. And uh, this morning, I've uh, been given the task to... Uh, preach on the, on, the, on the beginning of the book of Acts. We're actually going to be going through the book of Acts over the next six or seven weeks. Um, so it is uh, an interesting book, very interesting as we shall see. Um, and I'm going to be the person, or I'm the person who is charged with the introduction and also going to do the first four chapters. Um, so the last time I was here, um, there was a lot of excitement and preaching and etc. Today the tone is a little bit different. Okay, so today we are going to be eating vegetables. You know, when we have buffets, eh, you, you normally target the chicken, the matoke, the chapatis. Then when you reach the vegetables, you use a small spoon to squeeze the vegetables on your plate um, because they are not very popular. Um, but vegetables are very important. They give us the nutrients. The other food is also important, um, but vegetables are just as, 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 if not more important. They give us the nutrients we need to live day by day. And so today is going to be very, there's a lot of, there's a lot of substance, and there's a lot of things that are important for us to absorb and understand, even as we launch into the book of Acts. Um, so let's just um, believe God for a mighty work in our lives, in our hearts, as we study this book. So. Starting off with the book of Acts, um, if you have your Bible, it would be good to turn there. We're going to be moving back and forth, back and forth. That's the way I'm, I'm approaching this, uh, within those first four chapters. But just to give you a bit of background, the book of Acts was written about 10 to 30 years um, after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that period, about 30 years, there was a lot of activity happening. The Church of God was born and was beginning to spread out into the world. Um, and then, if you've ever gone to, if you've ever read that book, at the very final chapter, you will notice something interesting. It, it doesn't have an end. It, it sort of leaves you hanging. It just talks about uh, Paul sitting in his apartment and teaching people who came and, you know, and it hangs there. And there are many explanations to that, for that, but I believe one of the reasons why it's, it's left hanging is because we are still in the book of Acts. We are still part of the church. Um, the, the, the actual book was the beginning of the church, but it continues to this day. Um, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he's still building his church and we thank him for that. So um, before we launch 100% into this thing, let me just tell you something. We need to do some homework. Okay? <laughs> Some of you gave up on homework. The minute you left school, you're like, that's it, never again. But um, it would be really, really worthwhile um, that before you come the following Sunday, you read ahead. 
okay? Because it's going to be very hard for a preacher to sit here and preach every single verse um, and teach every single verse. So really, it would be worthwhile to at least read three or four chapters ahead before you come the next Sunday. So that's something for us to keep in mind. Um, so the early church, it was made up of a group of really, really amazing people. Really amazing people. You know, they didn't have the advantages that we have today. Things like computers, the internet, the ability to travel very, very quickly from one part of the world to another, vehicles, bicycles, all these things were non-existent. And yet, yet these guys accomplished a lot. Okay? So they accomplished a lot. First of all, they went out to three continents in less than 30 years without all these modern conveniences. Africa, Asia, and Europe, just within 30 years. And they didn't just go out geographically to minister the word. They literally made a difference in these parts of the world. Wherever they went, people were converted, lives were changed, people were healed, the dead were raised to life without any of the modern conveniences we see. You know, even now we are sitting here and we're thinking the microphones are not working, but think about that. No microphones, and they would speak to mega crowds effectively, okay? So in that, they also faced a lot of challenges. That's the reality. Um, let's not uh, make small of that, and we shall see as we go systematically through the book, there were a lot of challenges. Even internally within the church, sometimes they didn't agree between themselves. They had, you know, clashes between Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Peter. Um, many times they had to resist a lot of false doctrines that would come into the church even as they spread out into the world. People would try and bring in all sorts of strange doctrines. Then they would face hostility from the Jewish leaders who were really anti-Christ um, and from other tribes as well. They faced persecution, they faced an oppressive government. Um, the Roman government was very, very oppressive. And even things like bad weather. You know, Paul got shipwrecked, serious shipwrecked in the middle of his journeys. And yet they were very, very successful in spreading the good news of the kingdom of God um, from Jerusalem to Judea and beyond. So there's much we can learn from them because we live in a world that also has um, challenges despite our advancements. We also have a lot of challenges, um, but we have also been tasked, as our mission says, we are accepted and transformed to bring the kingdom of God into this world. I think everybody's hopefully familiar with our mission, our vision, bringing the kingdom of God into this world. There's much we can learn from the book of Acts in this. So what was the secret behind it? What was it that they had that really, really made a difference in what they were doing? The Holy Spirit. Exactly, the Holy Spirit. That's it. The power of the Holy Spirit. If you go through the book of Acts, you will see how active the Holy Spirit is in the lives of these new believers. Um, in just these chapters that I'm going to focus on, if you have the time, maybe this evening or later in the week, you can read through them. Um, you will see the Holy Spirit is mentioned uh, more than 10 times in just the first four chapters, more than 10 times. His power, his might, what he's doing, what he's saying, very, very, very active. So that's really the heart of it, the secret behind it. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is let's start with Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. 
um, and we are going to go through. Like I said, I'll go back and forth, but let's start here. It's a good place. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. He's got verse 8. Ahead, um, that's ahead of me, but if you have your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 3, chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Let me just read. And this is where Jesus is, the, the author of, of Acts, that is Luke, is actually reminding us of the promise that Jesus made to, to his disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. It says, he, that is Jesus, presented himself alive to them, that is the disciples, after his suffering after his death and suffering, by many, many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you had from me. From, for John baptized with water, but you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So baptism with the Holy Spirit, very, very necessary for every believer so that they can operate under the power and the influence of, um, of, of God, really. Now, there was a major difference between the way the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament and the way that he operated in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would temporarily come upon people's lives and then leave. Okay, he would come, he would do what he needed to do, and then he would leave. For example, uh, you would see like Saul uh, would operate with the Holy Spirit, and then it says the Holy Spirit departed from Saul, from King Saul. Okay, and then an evil spirit came and tormented him. Um, there was a time David prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It was a real thing. You know? The Holy Spirit could be taken from you. So um, in the Old Testament... Um, that's how the Holy Spirit operated. He would come, he would temporarily dwell with people, do what needed to be done, and then he would depart. But for those who are under the new covenant, this is one of the blessings of the new covenant. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us uh, from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And now God can dwell with us permanently. Permanently. That is a blessing. Mighty, mighty blessing. God can dwell in man, with man, um, and he does so as the Holy Spirit. So as a, as a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, God does not come and go. He doesn't come when you're in a good mood and go when you're in a bad mood. He's with you permanently. And it's good news. There are actually three promises, very clear promises from each of them. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit that says, I am with you permanently. Um, John 14, 16 says, and this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, he will be with you forever. He will be with you forever, not just when you're a good person today and tomorrow, it depends, it's forever. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, when Jesus was commissioning his disciples, he says, he his, himself, he promised them, I am with you always until the end of time, always. Okay, and in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, we have a promise from the Father says, I will never leave you I will never forsake you. So don't allow anyone, don't allow the devil through anyone to lie to you that the Holy Spirit can forsake you or can leave you, that the Spirit of God has left you. He has promised, and God's promises are always, always true. Amen? Amen. So let's start with, uh, uh, let's, let's go into this question, and I want us to just think through it. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why? Why do we need him? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? To guide us, yes. 
to lead us into all truth, to, to empower us, and I want to actually focus on that. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, but this power that he gives to us is very, very unique. And it's really the, it's like the engine of uh, a believer's life. It's how we're able to make a difference in our lives. And every answer that you've given, absolutely right. Uh, but because of time, we can't focus on all of them. So what I want to do is really focus on the empowerment that we receive from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. So Jesus speaking to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So Jimmy, we can go there now. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8 um, says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. You will receive power. So the Holy Spirit gives us power, uh, but what kind of power and power to do what? Okay, so it's clearly stated, you will be my witnesses. So there's power that enables us to actually be effective witnesses. And I'm going to go through um, various kinds of power that, that the Holy Spirit empowers us with, if I can put it that way. Um, and we will see it consistently through the book of Acts. Many times we are very limited in the way that we see the Holy Spirit. And I think this has done us a lot of, um, it has limited us in a sense. So as we sang this morning about, you know, just giving the Holy Spirit um, and being bold in him, um, we need to open our eyes to the, majest, the, the marvelous things that the Holy, Holy Spirit can do in our lives. So we're just going to explore the different things that the Holy Spirit has been able to do in believers' lives and can do in our lives when we work with him. So um, I went into the Bible dictionaries to really try and understand what is this power um, and the nature of the power and how does it operate. Um, the first one will probably not be a surprise to you. He gives, you. he gives us power to perform miracles. I think this is not a surprise to anybody here. If it is, then we need to have a separate discussion. Um, but really, um, when you systematically go through the Bible, you will see amazing miracles um, driven by the Spirit of the living God. Um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, for example, Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, um, I'll not read all of it, um, but the, the, the basic story is that Peter and John uh, had gone to a synagogue um, to worship, or to the temple to worship, and while they were there, um, they came across a lame man. And it says this man was 40 years old, actually. He, he was 40 years old, but he had been lame from the time he was born. 40 years, lame, not able to walk. So they had to bring him to the temple to beg. To beg. So Peter said to him in verse 6, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's the command that Peter, influenced by the Holy Spirit, gave to this man. And so this man, took, um, Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Wow. Imagine, how does somebody who's been lame for 40 years, lame from birth, gain strength immediately and then begin to walk? So open your eyes. Perhaps you've been sitting in a situation for many years that's gone on and on and on, and enough is enough, and you need a breakthrough. So the power of the Holy Spirit is able to actually break through the situation and bring life to it and change it the way it did for this, uh, this man. 
And then, um, in verse 12, look at what Peter says. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though our own power or piety we have made him to walk? And then he explained how the miracle happened. He says, Jesus' name, the name above all names, the name, by faith in his name, this is what has made the man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So it wasn't Peter's, it wasn't Peter's enablement, it wasn't his intelligence, it wasn't his brightness, his holiness, it was faith in the name of Jesus Christ that enabled these powerful miracles. Okay? Um, miracles don't depend on how holy we are, how intelligent we are, um, in fact, one of the things that really amazed uh, the people of that time was the fact that these guys, the disciples, would walk around and do all these powerful things, and yet, um, according to you know, the, the, their speech, they were very uneducated, untrained. That's, that's how they put it. These people had no education, they, had no, they were not trained, and yet they would perform miraculously. So miracles are received by, by power, uh, by, by the Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name. Eh? We operate in Jesus' name, obviously, but really the functioning of miracles is through the Holy Spirit. And it's not just in that time, even today, the Holy Spirit continues to perform amazing, amazing miracles. You know, at one time we had, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm in fish farming. Eh? So uh, we grow fish in ponds, uh, not in the lake, but in earthen ponds. So at one time we received. Uh, fish, we basically buy them from people who hatch them, and when they are very, very small, and then you put them into the pond, and then over six, seven, eight months, they grow to maturity, and then you sell them off. Um, so the science behind it is once you put them in a pond, one or two days, and they will start feeding. You know, you start giving them food, and they feed, and you know, you, they grow as you feed them, and you make sure you manage the environment. So this particular batch of fish that we received, uh, we put them in the water. They came very early in the morning, around 4 o'clock in the morning. They arrived, which is advisable because it's cold, and that's the best time to actually move fish around. And then um, they were put in the water. And the first day, the second day, which is not what you normally give them, you don't give them food, and then the third day you start feeding. But this, this particular batch of fish was not very responsive. Um, after three or four days, five days, six days, we'd put food in, and there'd be no response. I mean, the water would be as still as as wall, as a wall, as a floor, there would be no activity whatsoever. So we began to be a bit concerned. Um, so we um, talked to a few people and they said, okay, wait for maybe a few more days, which we did, um, still trying to feed in, trying to you know, adjust the feedings, etc. and then and nothing happened. So this ran on for almost two weeks. And now <laughs> we're faced with a big problem because you have fish, quote, unquote, but do you have fish, if you see what I mean? So we called some experts, um, people who normally advise, etc., and we were asking them, you know, we have this problem, we brought fish two weeks ago, we're not seeing any signs. And they laughed and they were like, two weeks? You haven't seen any sign for two weeks? Your fish are finished. Just start the whole thing again. Forget about it, write the whole thing off, just start over. We called a few others. This was now running into three weeks, trying to get advice, etc. Nothing. But same advice, just write the whole thing off, go and buy another batch of fish, which is very, very expensive, actually, because you've already spent money on this, this young fish, and now you're, you're having to spend money on another lot. So I was facing this problem, and I was with a young man who normally feeds them, and we were just looking at these ponds, and um, it came to me that, wait a minute, 
I operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And you know, sometimes we, we kind of take these things for granted. You understand? I mean, we sing about them, talk about them, but in the real world, <laughs> when you're facing a problem, your wallet is empty, you know, you're like, hey. So um, I told the man, hang on a second. So I went and prayed in tongues for a few minutes, just a, a, little, a little distance away. And the Spirit of the Lord just spoke into my heart and says, give them more food. And I thought, that is the most bizarre advice I've ever had. You know, when an animal is sick, some of people have lived with chickens, with cats, with dogs, when an animal is sick and is not eating, you don't give them more food. That, that makes no sense. But it was so strong in my heart, um, and I knew this was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So <laughs> I went back to the man and I said, you know what? Let's give them more food. And he looked at me and he thought, what? <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I'm the boss, so um, we agreed <laughs> on a few things. I didn't tell him where I got the advice from. <laughs> so we agreed on a few things, um, make a few changes, etc. but essentially give more food. So we put in extra food, which is also very expensive. So really, I, my heart was like, you know, I'm working on faith on this one. We put in some food. And then I left him. And I was so convinced that this was going to work. I was actually, I basically just left him. We agreed a schedule and then left him. So later on the following day, I called him. I said, how is it? He says, actually, madam, I'm surprised there's, there's some activity. I see some signs of activity. I thought, oh, okay, hallelujah. Things are happening. <laughs> so 48, 48 hours later, you know, a couple of days later, I, 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 I call him again. Huh? How are things? He's like, madam, I cannot believe. There is so much fish in this pond, it's unbelievable. It was literally a miracle. You know, every other common sense advice, even by what we call experts in the field was just forget the whole thing. But this was a major, major miracle. So, um, I, I mean, really. And then three or four months uh, time, we really had another big problem because we had too much fish in the pond, <laughs> which was a good thing because if we had gone and bought, and bought more fish, then we'd have been facing a major crisis because also, if you have too much fish in the pond, they suffocate each other, so it becomes another big problem. So now, you know, um, we, we, we have to deal with that also. But the point I'm trying to drive across is the Holy Spirit still works even to this day. Even to this day. He's still working. He's still very, very, very much active. And he loves to work in our lives. Amen? Amen. So the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to perform miracles. Um, uh, if you want to go into, too much, into a lot of detail about that, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us different types of miracles that the Holy Spirit um, uh, performs or, or does in our lives. Uh, the ability to heal, the ability to, you know, to work, uh, you know, this really amazing faith-based miracles, the ability to, to just discern what is going on, what is happening. All that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, another type of power that the Holy Spirit gives us is, the, is uh, what we call um, the power of excellence, uh, the, the power of moral and spiritual excellence. They are part of operate with a sense of excellence around you. Eh? Um, and it includes the ability to stand for truth, stand for God's truth, even in a world where things are really, really shaking. I mean, Jerry just mentioned right now, give us a word and talked about the, the fact that this world, things are tough. You say the beast is alive. Yes, the Antichrist Christ is alive whether we like it or not. It is a world where there's a lot of ungodliness, and so much ungodliness. We are being tossed left, right, and center. There's pressure to conform or to compromise. And the result is that we lose on our ability to stand 
as Christians. I was discussing with some friends of mine the other day about Christianity in Uganda. I said, you know, we have 80% Christianity, according to statistics, 80% Christianity in Uganda. This is a, this is a Christian nation, um, so the statistics say. Four out of every five Christians, in theory, are supposed to be a Christian. Four out of five people, rather, are supposed to be a Christian. But on the, reality, the, the, ground, the reality on the ground is very different. Eh? We have one of the highest teenage pregnancies in the world, highest rates of teenage pregnancies in the world. That's Uganda. If you look at our corruption levels, one of the worst corruption levels in the world, highest number of alcoholics, one of the highest numbers of alcoholics in the world. Somebody actually even did research on witch doctors. He said per capita. You know, if you look across the world, the number of witch doctors per capita, we are like among the highest. So, so something's not quite right. You know, I love my country dearly. Really, I do. But we have to ask some questions. This is not adding up. Somewhere along the way, uh, we have kind of lost this ability to stand firm in the truth of what we profess. And we can only get that from the power of the Holy Spirit. Really, there is no other way. You can't do it on your own. It's tough. It is a battle. Okay? So we need the Holy Spirit more than ever to be like Daniel, people like Daniel, who lived in very ungodly cultures, very, very ungodly cultures, and yet they were able to stand firm in their faith to the point of you know, saying, you know, I'd rather face the lions, I'd rather face persecution, but I'm standing for my God. It's an amazing thing, but it needs the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we spoke about being bold and being courageous, and we sang about it. And my prayer is that the Spirit of the Lord will help us to really carry forth this word in our lives. Let's be bold, let's be courageous in the way that we stand for the truth. In Acts chapter 4, the apostles were arrested by the religious leaders of that time and told that they should not speak about Jesus. Acts chapter 4. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, uh, but look at what Peter defend, how Peter defended himself. I mean, he boldly refused. He said, I'm not obeying you. I'd rather obey God, uh, but I'm not going to obey man. And this was a very different Peter from the Peter who betrayed Jesus. Do you remember? The Peter who betrayed Jesus, all he was told is that, were you with him? And he, he started shaking. He was like, no, I'm not one of them, you know. So something had happened that transformed his ability to face persecution. Um, he could now face persecution boldly because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. That's what made the difference, filled with the Holy Spirit, operating under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. So moral power and excellence, you know, just being able to stand firm in the truth of God, that is something that the Holy Spirit enables in our lives, even when our friends are saying different, things are different, but we can stand firm in the truth. We need that power. Thirdly, um, and this, is, this might surprise some of you, but the Holy Spirit also gives us the power and the influence to be able, the power actually to make wealth, okay, and to be rich. He gives us that ability as well as the influence that comes along with it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18, God tells us that he is the one. He specifically says, do not say it's you. He says, I am the one who gives you the power to make wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. 
I give you the power and the ability to make wealth for a specific purpose in order to establish my kingdom here on earth. Now, having said that, there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of false teaching about wealth and wealth creation and all sorts of um, theories about it in the, in the body of Christ today. And it's important that we learn the truth. Okay, the truth is that it is God who gives it to us, but he gives us for a very, very specific reason, to establish the kingdom of God here on earth. Okay, uh, and there's various ways he does this. You know, the other day, for example, a friend of mine called me and he says, you know, we have an opportunity, our door has opened up up country and we can minister um, to 50, 50 pastors. We, they were getting together 50 pastors and they were going to take them through the discipleship course. Um, and then he says, but the problem is we really don't have money. We don't have the funds to be able to move from here to there and basically sit there for the time that we need to take these pastors through um, the discipleship course. So we got together with some friends and we put in the, you know, the funds, the money, and this guy was able to go and minister the entire discipleship course to 50 people, 50 pastors. Now you can imagine those 50 pastors influence maybe a congregation of, let's say, 30 people each. Okay, so 50 times 30, we're talking about um, 1,500 people ministered because of the fact that we are able to actually contribute funds. One of the, one of the things that um, we support, one of the ministries we support here in this church um, is actually the biggest, the, the ministry we support is Hughes Ministry. Uh, Jesus loves the little children. Everybody knows about Jesus loves the little children? Yeah, hands up who doesn't know about it. Okay, this is where your tithes and offerings, some of your tithes and offerings go to. We support Hughes Ministry. It's based in Chigumba. I, always need, I, I need to say that correctly. <laughs> okay, and it's, um, it's a ministry that really is for the very, very vulnerable people. Um, he ministers to very vulnerable people, just giving them basic skills, um, um, in some cases doing like small operations in the lives of young children who have maybe disabilities or limitations and really just um, um, helping them to be able to, to, to live a normal life. And that's something that we have worked with him on in terms of the way that we, we partner with him. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference when a child, you know, smiles for the first time because they can walk. Um, and his, his ministry is really amazing because he's able to go into even communities that are non-Christian and, and minister this kind of, of grace. Um, so, um, this is through the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to actually make wealth and then use that wealth into, in, in building the kingdom of God. So, in Acts chapter 4, verse 34 to 37, this is something the Bible does not really shy away from. It's very, very clear. Acts chapter 4, verse 34 to 37, we see amazing supernatural flow of wealth amongst the new believers. Okay? There was tremendous, tremendous abundance uh, let me read it, because it's, 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 it's really powerful. There was not a needy person amongst them. This is Acts chapter 4, yes, verse 34 to 37. There was not a needy person amongst them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. And then it gives the example of this guy, Joseph. Eh? Joseph was also called Barnabas, a Levite and a native of Cyprus sold a field that belonged to him and he brought the money or the wealth and laid it at the apostles' feet. Amazing, amazing. Um, so the Holy Spirit gives us, you know, the ability to make wealth. 
Um, and he does this in different ways. One is obviously gives us the, you know, the wisdom to get jobs and to really um, be able to earn a living, as well as to contribute towards the needs of the kingdom. Uh, making a living, incidental is also contributing towards the, the needs of the kingdom. Um, but it's also in supernatural ways. That, that there are ways in which the Holy Spirit will act supernaturally to just bring wealth into the kingdom. Um, one of the businesses that we do is actually real estate. We, we, we rent out property to, to tenants <clears throat> and uh, to commercial tenants. And at, at, uh, a few, well, during COVID, we, like many other businesses, we, we kind of got hit uh, because many tenants started working from home and they were like, look, I have space, but I'm not using it. So negotiated rates downwards and then some of them left. Uh, some businesses were closed and so on. So it was a bit difficult. It was a tough time. Now, over the last few months, it started picking up again. We thank God for that, really, really. If you don't thank God, I'm really thankful for that, that business is picking up. Um, but um, in, there's a particular incident that I just want to mention and really thank God for. There's, a there's somebody who had been prospecting with us. I mean, he had come, he had looked at the property, he wanted to rent, but he wasn't too sure because he was like, well, it depends on how business will flow over the next one or two years. Um, we're not sure, we can't make a commitment now. So he would, he would sort of come on and off, on and off. So one time I was just walking around and just praying um, with, uh, to God and just speaking to him about these business issues. And then he spoke to me and he says to me, uh, Monica, regarding this particular tenant, I want you to speak very, very specifically for open doors because there's something hindering his finances and I want you to just declare open doors for him. And so that's what I did. I spent some time just speaking, you know, just counseling whatever it is that was hindering his finances and just declaring uh, freedom and open doors for his finances to flow. So I kid you not, the following day, I get a message on my phone from the bank saying money has been deposited on my account, on our, on our business account. So we weren't expecting any money, despite the prayers. <laughs> we were not expecting any money to come very suddenly. But um, when I investigated, I found it was actually this particular tenant, a prospective tenant. And the story is that he had reached a point where now he made a commitment. Now, the interesting thing is he hadn't even signed the contract. He hadn't even agreed to the terms, but he just sent the money. He said, I'm just committing this money because I know I'm coming to occupy your place. That's miraculous. It doesn't happen. <laughs> the normal thing in Uganda is the person who signed the contract. Then you have to chase him for days before they actually pay even a fraction of the, of the tenancy. And it becomes a long story. And eventually they pay. Then the cycle begins again. But this is very unusual. So the Holy Spirit leads us in breakthroughs like those, identifying opportunities out there that we can help us to make wealth for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. So, let me just say this. No matter how much you earn, no matter how much you make, please appreciate that it comes from the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Even if you have not earned money, you haven't started earning a penny, just thank God for the potential to make wealth. That is a good starting point. Amen? Amen. Amen. Indeed. Amen. Because really, the wealth of the world has been laid up for the righteous. It needs to move. And until we recognize that, it will forever be out there, laid out for the righteous, but not moving. So um, let's, let's just pray into that and believe for that, that there is abundance out there. 
and as people, as people and men and women of God, we need to operate the way that God wants, in godly ways really, in godly ways when it comes to matters concerning health because this is where the Holy Spirit is leading us to. Um, the next one, the Holy Spirit also gives us the ability to work in a mighty way. Okay, the, the way that this, the, I read this dictionary and I was just digging into it a bit to try understand this. And it says it's, it's, it's something to do with the ability to work with big numbers. Uh, the power and the ability to, to work with big numbers. It arises from numbers. Um, in the Old Testament, you see a lot of uh, the Holy Spirit working through mighty armies. Um, we, we call God the Lord of hosts. It's like the Lord of multitudes. So uh, God has given us the ability through the Holy Spirit to work in big numbers. For example, when the, when the apostles were, under, were operating under the, the power of the Holy Spirit, Mighty things were done. You know, when Paul preached a sermon in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we see that 3,000 people received the word and they were baptized. 3,000 people. In one event, no microphones, no megaphones, nothing. 3,000. Okay? No machines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's supernatural. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then in Acts chapter 4, verse 4, not many days later, Peter and John uh, were arrested for preaching the word. And then, through this arrest and, you know, their defense, many thousands, it says thousands more were added onto their numbers. So this ability to work in multi, you know, in, in big numbers is really, really something that the Holy Spirit gives us to operate in. If you want to bring God's kingdom into this world, we have to believe big things. And it's not an easy thing. Um, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us, really. You know, sometimes I talk to God. He has laid on my heart some really, really major things for me to do before I leave this earth. Mighty things. And I talk to God and I say, really? Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure? <laughs> so I realize there's no way in a million years I can accomplish what he has put on my heart to do on my own. It's impossible. We talked about, you know, you make me brave. When we sang that song, you make me brave. It's, it's a very, very timely song, really, because the things that God has put in our hearts, you know, the eyes, the ears cannot understand. There are so many things that God would love to do through us to influence um, the kingdom, uh, the, the, the worlds around us with the kingdom of God. There is no way you and I operating in our own um, strength or power can actually accomplish this. It's the Holy Spirit who enables this. Zechariah, is it Zechariah? Chapter 4, verse 6 says, Not by might, nor by our own power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the only way you will succeed in accomplishing that which God has set before you. So, these are some examples on how the Holy Spirit can work powerfully in our lives. And they're just the beginning. As we go through the book of Acts, we're going to see instances where these things really were put to, um, you, you could see them manifest in the lives of the believers. And the question, you might be seated here and you might be asking yourself, um, but if the Holy Spirit does all these things, which it is true he does, why don't we see more of them? Why aren't I seeing more of them in my life today? So as you go through the book of Acts, um, we will also see something. We'll see many instances where the Holy Spirit was hindered, and we will learn from that. There were places where he was hindered, his ability to actually work was hindered, so we are also going to learn from that. I don't want to go into what the other preachers will talk about, but essentially keep your eyes open for that. But one thing I must say, 
And then as we finish, is this. Um, one of the things that hinders us, I think, from operating fully in our capacity as believers in the Holy Spirit is that we are really not conscious of the Spirit all the time. I don't know if you realize this. I mean, I gave the example of battling with this fish, but I could have started right from the beginning <laughs> and had, you know, listened to God and heard his voice and seen how to really make things work. And God is patient. He doesn't really reproach you or blame you for coming late to the party. But, you know, it's one of the things that hinders. We don't operate with a consciousness of the fact that we are people of the Spirit who operate in the Spirit. Um, uh, let me just give you a demonstration. You know, married people are very interesting if you've ever observed them. <laughs> okay, we didn't finish that series on relationships. We're going back. But one of the reasons, it's a good reason why, why God gives us marriage as an example of the way he works with us. You see, if I went to Lynette and I asked Lynette, I have a very good project that I would like us to get involved in. Come, 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 let's, let, you know, pitch in some money and, and let's get involved. Lynette's reaction will be, let me talk to Patrick. Do you, not, do you notice that? Which is very interesting. For singles, it's like, okay, let me talk to God. If it's done, it's done. I mean, there's no second, third, or fourth. Okay, yes, you obviously have partners, but by and large, it, it's a very automatic thing that they do. You notice that if I ask Beth, for example, man, there's a mega deal here. We have to really pitch into this. Her first reaction is, I have to talk to Rory. They, they have this conscious, consciousness of the fact that they are, they are with someone. Do you notice that? Okay, there, there's always someone to consider. Even if the person is physically not there, let's say Patrick goes to Cotido and Lynette is here for two months, she still has to, you know, I have to consult with Patrick. <laughs> but, and this is the thing that we have to have with the Holy Spirit. There has to be this connection that is permanent, always. So that even when I open the newspapers and I read that fuel prices have gone up, my first reaction is not, what are we going to do? Fuel prices drive everything. Oh my goodness, everything is going to go up. We are all going to die. That should not really be your first reaction. Your first reaction is, let me consult with the Holy Spirit. That's what we should do, ideally. Now, I'm the first one to say sometimes it doesn't always happen. Okay? But it's something that we learn as we go along. The ability to really be very conscious of the fact that I'm with the Holy Spirit. I'm with the power of the living God. The same power that raised Jesus from the, from the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of me. And so I have no need to worry. No need to worry, no need to be anxious. Worry and anxiety is, is that thermometer. It, it tells you something's wrong. You need to connect back to the Holy Spirit. And so we need to have that, that supernatural connection um, because it exists, the, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One spirit. That means where I go, the Lord goes with me. Wherever I, I am, where I stand, the Lord stands with me. Ideally, you should be leading, of course, um, and that is right. But there should never be this sense of disconnect between me and my Father um, through the Spirit. So when you operate with God... Nothing, nothing, nothing can hinder you, nothing can stop you. Acts chapter 4 verse 33 says about the apostles, with great power, with great power, they were giving their testimony. In other words, they were giving demonstrations um, and living the life that, you know, God really um, was establishing in them through the Spirit. With great power, they were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and great favor, great grace was upon them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? We receive him by faith 
through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is something, again, you will see very consistently through the book of Acts, we receive the Holy Spirit. That is basically just going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I receive your Holy Spirit. I'm going, I'm committing to operating in him and with him throughout. And then um, that is normally accompanied with praying in tongues because that also is very, very valuable. Very, very valuable. And then from then on, operating with him consistently. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter answered this question because they asked him, how, you know, what should we do now? Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and this is what he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've really, really been blessed. Um, amen. Yes, and I would like to just take the opportunity right now, if anybody's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit or you've never been born again, um, this is a good opportunity. We love, we love, we love to invite people into the kingdom of God and to just bless them with this, uh, this gift. Um, so if you're here, you've never been born again, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, just put up your hand and we can pray for you right now. Amen. Amen. Okay. If not, if there's anybody here, maybe you have a specific sickness. I just sense a sickness. Somebody is maybe struggling with something, a sickness, or um, they need healing in their lives. Again, um, maybe you can put up your hand and we can pray for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is mighty in doing things. 40 years, somebody's sick. Somebody's lame. 40 years. Okay, we've got one person. Um, yes? Okay, so one person. Second person. Okay, we've got a third person. So what I'm going to do is just invite the believers, um, people around you. Um, maybe the leaders also can just be around these people so that we can just lay hands on them. The Bible says you will lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. They shall be healed. So if we can just maybe surround these three people. There's one here, um, there's a gentleman here, um, and then there's Sarah on the other side. So just, just come around, here, around them. Um, and I just sense the power of the Holy Spirit is here this morning to really, really specifically work in your lives, to do a healing, a healing work in your life. So just come around them. We're going to lay hands on you. You know, the, the, the Bible gives us very simple instructions to activate our faith. Someone might think, what does laying hands got to do with anything. Eh? You might want to have a very scientific explanation and a technical explanation on what laying hands has to do with it. But God just asks us to do, asks us to do this to activate our faith, to say, yes, Lord, you've given me instructions. I'm willing to obey. And those instructions will come to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in my might, not in my strength, not in my knowledge, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to pray over them right now. I'll give you a minute to just pray over the person. Um, if uh, if they, they, they can also tell you specifically what it is so that we speak specifically over that issue. There's somebody, um, I think somebody needs to be around him as well. Yes, okay. Um, you can have somebody around him as well. You can just mention it. Don't go into a lot of details. The Lord knows exactly what it is, but the idea behind mentioning what it is is so that we can speak specifically into it. Okay.
Hallelujah. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The Lord sends his word and it heals every disease, every disease. There's no disease that is beyond his power and his ability. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your ability to work miracles. Ours is just to believe. We thank you for your ministry this morning, and we just speak healing into the lives of these specific individuals, the ones who have raised up their hands, acknowledging that they want to receive from you. And so we release the healing power of the Holy Spirit into their lives, that wherever they may be where sickness has challenged them and made their life difficult, that same Holy Spirit that changed the life of a 40-year-old lame man, that same Spirit is active in their lives right now. We rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. We rebuke every source of sickness and we cast every source from where it comes from and we cancel it in the mighty name of Jesus. And by his spirit, we declare the power of healing flows through every part of your body right now. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen and amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's give him the praise. Amen. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Come on. So thank you so much. Those who have received healing, uh, do not let this, the, the, the enemy take away your healing from you. Even if the symptoms, even the signs come through, declare that you are healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Believe it. You shall declare a thing and it shall be established for you. This is what it says in the book of Job chapter 22. You shall decree and declare a thing, it shall be established for you. And so we are believing with you. We are standing with you. Um, don't let the enemy lie to you. He heals all diseases, he can do the same to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. There's tea and coffee out there, um, and you are welcome to help yourself. Grab a cup of tea, grab a cup of coffee, sit with a friend, and just tell them about what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Don't forget the book of testimonies. Um, I sometimes forget, but don't forget the book of testimonies. You need to write what good things the, good, the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, and let's celebrate him. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You are blessed.